you for joining the Leadership Podcast with Sim Dendy. It's great to have you with us. In this season of the Leadership Podcast, we are partnering up with Spring Harvest, a well-known national Christian event that takes place in the UK every Easter. I personally got some of my first leadership opportunities at this event, for which I will be eternally grateful. In recent years, I've had the privilege to serve on the leadership team of Spring Harvest and had the opportunity to work with some amazing people. And one of those we're going to talk to today. Chris Rogers is a church leader at All Hallows Church Bow in London and is also a well-known speaker at many Christian events. He is a minister in the Church of England, an author of several books, including Immeasurably More, Only the Brave, What If We Knew What God Knows About Us, and his recently released edition of the Bible, Book by Book. Chris has a deep passion for leading people in the way of Jesus and runs a podcast called We Are Making Disciples. He is also now the chair of the planning group responsible for Spring Harvest, having served this great event for many years. Before we hear from Chris, let's listen to the following message from the team at Spring Harvest. Spring Harvest is back. It's been a challenging few years, but this April, Spring Harvest will be back in Skegness and Minehead, together again as one big family to worship, learn and laugh. Do you need to relax and recharge? We've got some great speakers and worship leaders, a powerful theme to explore, an amazing youth and kids programme, swimming pools, fairgrounds, the beach and so much more. With our winter offers, it's never been more affordable to come, with prices starting at just £119. It's time to restore, renew and rebuild in a safe space. Let's do this. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today, Chris. Sim, thank you so much for having me. If I sound a little bit hoarse... I have got a cold, so just to warn you, if you're thinking, gosh, this guy sounds like he's been... I don't know if that's coming through on the microphone or not. You sound amazing as always, Chris, <laughs> absolutely. And you're a pro at this. I mean, so, you know, before we get into some other details of your day job, you do have your own podcast. Tell us about your own podcast right at the top here. Yeah, we launched it three years ago. We're into 120 episodes or something like that now. The plan was never to run a podcast. It was just, let's do a number of episodes on discipleship. Let's see where it goes. And then the numbers started growing. And when numbers grow, people start pitching ideas. So now I don't come up with ideas. People then pitch ideas to me and say, could you do one on this? So I, I love it because I feel like I'm responding to people's needs, particularly around discipleship. So, yeah, it's 120 episodes, three years in. And I think it was just the right time the pandemic came. Everybody was trying to find something to entertain themselves with. And the next thing we knew, we were running a podcast weekly and not stopped. I think we stop we stop for August, but well, we can, we carry on all year round, which is which is a big undertaking. I'm in awe. I mean, I'm trying to do these once a month, once every three or four weeks, and it's it's still challenging. And um, you know, like you say, but people love listening. And uh, while they're going to work, you know, while they're on the tube, while they're going mm. for a drive or for a run, I know you found people are listening all over the place and all over the world as well. So what a yeah. great medium to be able to serve people. So Chris, I, I do love it because you, you can get people on the podcast that you would never, if you say, can I have coffee with you? They say, no, who are you? But you email them and say, 
we run a podcast. This is the number of thousand people that we get listening. Uh, we'd love to talk to you about this. Would you give me 25 minutes of your time? And I promise you, we will not take more. And they say, yes, we can do 25 minutes. And then they, and then they always give you more than 25 minutes. Yeah. And there's yeah. one guy I interviewed recently uh, who I, it was an absolute joy. And I pushed it to see how long I could get with him because he, 50 minutes. I was like, right, I'll brand it. I'm going to round this up now. Uh, but that was amazing. Oh, wonderful. Well, if people want to get hold of your podcast, Chris, what's the name of your podcast? It's We Are Making Disciples with Chris Rogers. There we go. And I think you've got a website to go with that. I mean, we are making disciples.com. Dot com, yeah. There we go. So you can get help yourself, sign up to the podcast. We like to help each other here where we can. And Chris, what's your actual day job? So you're not a podcaster full time, but what do you do as your day to day work? Tell us a bit about who you are, about family. And maybe I could ask a better question that who lives in your home? Because it's more than just family. Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I would describe myself as a church planter, uh, a church planter who's passionate about urban communities and reaching those that the church has left behind. My title is Rector of All Hallows Bow. We took on a church in 2010 that was going to be sold to become a mosque in what was at that point one of the poorest postcodes in the old of London. And we came here in 2010. Becky and I moved here to Congregation of Six. So I'm a Church of England minister but never really wanted, I just wanted to plant churches. So my first church I planted was in the skate park and uh, and just really got the bug for church planting. So we knew we wanted to plant a church in East London and uh, we've absolutely loved it, but it does mean you have to become official in the Church of England. So I'm, I'm, I'm a rector, but we do have the vicarage next door or the rectory next door. Before we moved in, it was being rented out to five young men who uh, had lived here for numbers of years. And they run a business from the rectory called Wazzle Limited, and it was a soft core, um, soft porn website. So they used to make pornography in what is now Becky and I's bedroom. And that kind of says a lot about where this church had got to, really. It was lost. And nobody was coming to the church. There wasn't a priest or a vicar or a, a leader here. So we came in 2010, we took over the house. And if you take the entire property, there's 12 of us in the property right now so we, we live as a community although Alex and Phil live in the basement and they have their own kitchen and they do their own thing the rest of us eat together pray for each other when we're grieving or support each other when we're, we're not well and we all live together for the purposes of mission to this neighborhood that's amazing and I guess that's been good from a from a lockdown point of view and being stuck inside to have a crowd of people uh community right on your doorstep in your in your home uh or has it been so good it, uh, truthfully it wasn't great <laughs> it wasn't great at that point we were living predominantly with a household of young women we now predominantly live with a household of young men so uh i'm now in my sweet spot whereas becky was more in her sweet spot two years ago but Isaac and I that's my son who's 17 we got to the point where we could not cope with any more Taylor Swift if we heard one more Taylor Swift song we yeah. were just going to tear our air out so we would go for long cycles out into Kent and places just to get out of the house to breathe so we we yeah Isaac and I we loved the first lockdown because we cycled London with with empty streets but when we came home, it was so noisy. I was like, I can't cope. I can't do this. So in some, ha some ways, I'm jealous of those that lived on their own. And then friends who lived on their own are jealous that we lived in community. So I'm not actually sure 
who was the winner. It was just different. Yeah, that's a good comment. Now, talk about being jealous. I'm a bit jealous of you, Chris, because you have a coffee shop attached to your church. It was part of your church ministry. And it's yeah. not just an average poor quality coffee shop. Mm. It's high quality on tap coffee. Is that true? Very true. Very true. We um, So when we took the church on in 2010, it was the Queen's Jubilee two years later and the Olympics. And we, we bought a really nice coffee machine and we opened the church up as a place to come and watch the Olympics. Now, we live in a neighbourhood that is a 10-minute walk from the Olympic site, but we're also in a neighbourhood that essentially was blocked off. They did not want anyone driving through our neighbourhood during the pandemic. They didn't want people to see it. So we opened up our church as a little lunch place, coffee shop, and watched the Olympics on a big screen, and it was an absolute hit. Now, we are in a Bengali neighbourhood, so um, 60 to 70% of my neighbourhood are Bengali Muslim. So it was great having people in our church that were not of the Christian faith or old East Londoners, white East Londoners. So we, we, we got this idea of building something and a part of our building was falling down. So we got permission to demolish it and rebuild. So that opened now, but uh, what six weeks before the pandemic hit. So we opened six weeks going really well and then the pandemic shut it. So it became a zero contact shop during during the first bit of the pandemic. But the idea is Jesus says, go into the highways and the byways and get them to come in. Well, my church is on a highway and a byway, hmm. but yet my worship space focuses uh, the opposite direction. So it's like my back is on the highway. So when you're preaching, it's like you're looking away from the highway. And we said, what would it look like if we could spin our building round and face the highway and have a big wide open door onto the main high street? Well, what do you need to have that could be open and function, uh, you know, many hours a day so people could come in and you've got staff there because you've got to have something to come into. Mm. So we're like, well, you know, we could do that. We could do the coffee shop thing. So we uh, opened it up, rebuilt the whole front of the building. And we employ a uh, Muslim convert as one of our baristas. And we've just had a Muslim lady that we wanted to help get back into work. And we trained her up in baking and she's just started her own baking business. So we want to use it as a way of helping people get into employment, uh, building up people's confidence. We take people from uh, Mind Mental Health Charity. We take them on for a couple of months as, as members of staff, train them up, get them confidence give them then to Costa and Starbucks or, or, or somebody else. So we train them up to then get them back into long-term employment. And it's wonderful. And uh, it's great because I just I go in Monday morning when it's quiet and I get to do a lot of work while drinking coffee. And uh, it's, it is lovely. It's so nice. And we've, we've already had one chap come in who was about to commit suicide. He walked in and said, can I talk to somebody? I'm going home to commit suicide. And we were ready and waiting for him when he walked through the door. And we've got many stories like that. We run it on a Thursday night. So 10 o'clock, Thursday nights, our coffee shop becomes a late night recovery room for anyone who's got any addiction, alcohol, drug, gambling, sex. It's open for anyone to come in. So 30 people turn up to our church at 10 o'clock on a Thursday night for a recovery meeting. Um, because that is the, you know, that's the hour that the addicts are clucking. They don't need a recovery meeting at seven o'clock at night. They need a recovery meeting when they want to go buy their drugs. So, yes, it functions in, in so many incredible ways. Wow. 
well, I, lo- I love the fact you, you're so creative with church, innovative with church. You know, you don't try and just do it traditionally. I know you do provide traditional service and a traditional activity, mm. but also on top of that, you offer these different access points to your mm. church community, which is lovely. So not only do you run a podcast and you also are a, a, an official uh, Church of England rector as well, but you've also a, an author, multiple yeah. books, multiple books, Chris. I tried to get a list of them. There was loads of them that you've written or been involved with. I mean, you and I wrote a book together. Do you remember Only mm. the Brave we did uh, with a few friends of ours? We put a book together. It has to be um, the best one, surely. <laughs> it has to be the best one. I'm <laughs> not sure because you were telling me earlier today, so you just re-released or republished your one of your probably best-selling books, that would be fair to say? Yeah, so the Bible book by book came out 13 years ago, sold out, did really, really, really well in its first run. And I got to the point where I was buying second-hand copies on eBay to be able to sell to people when I went speaking places. So I'd, I'd, I'd often say, I've got a second-hand copy. I'm really apologetic. It has got the library stamps at the front. Uh, but if you want it, I can sell it to you for 10 quid. So I was, I was dealing second-hand copies of my book. And uh, in the pandemic, they approached me and uh, said, look, let's let's do an updated edition of this. So we worked on it over the pandemic. So actually, it was ready a year ago. Yeah. But it's just yeah. when you do colour print books that print time is so long it takes a long time for a color book to come out uh, i love it it's, it's full of photographs full of hand drawn maps hand drawn pictures diagrams and full of those kind of if you know this then you'll read this differently in the bible so the bible book by book it is one of my favorite books that we got to put together yeah, I love the fact because you're very creative, you know, Chris, I know you'd have to doodle if I'm sitting in a meeting with you, you'll start scribbling, you'll get your book out, you'll start, you know, writing stuff and drawing and spider diagrams appear. So yeah. I can imagine, um, you know, that that's kind of your journaling becomes part of, you know, the book that almost yeah. we're seeing a bit into the mind of Chris Rogers. Is that possible? Well, the, the, the thing is, um, when I read the Bible, I'm not... I'm not seeing it as words on a page. I never have. I'm dyslexic. I have. I don't have the ability to read it like you would read Pride and Prejudice. I'm just not that kind of reader. And when I was at university, I'd only been a Christian probably two years, never really read the Old Testament. And my, my, my um, tutor said, you're going to fail, Chris, this course. Come and see me every Wednesday afternoon. I'm going to teach you Greek and Hebrew, and we're going to learn the scriptures from a Jewish perspective. He was a Messianic Jew. And he would draw up these diagrams and he'd write up Genesis chapter one, garden, uh, Matthew chapter so and so. Jesus is, you know, dies in a garden, resurrection in a garden, uh, Revelation 22, 23, new garden. And he would draw these pictures up for me so I could see these big vistas of scripture where everything kind of hangs together. And that's really helped me try to get my head around scripture. I'm quite visual with it. Um, so I'm always looking for ways to engage with the text by either drawing on it noting something so my bible is just riddled full um the, the listeners can't see this but my bible is just filled full of diagrams and drawings and yeah. and things that i've glued in there uh, so for me it's more like an adventure book than it is a, a, a um um you know, just a storybook. It's something that you really go doing archaeology on. So the book does that, and it's filled full of little drawings and doodles that I've I've done along the way. And I'm guessing those listening can get your book from a normal book places online. They can purchase uh, it. Google it. You'll Google find it. it. It's okay. all over the place. Yeah, the it's... Bible, book by book, by Chris Rogers. 
Mm. You'll find it wonderful. Encourage you to get hold of that. We'll put a link on our website as well and all the rest of it to make sure uh, that our listeners can get hold of that. Um, so tell me a bit about um, how you just mentioned about you wrote a book during lockdown and you went cycling during lockdown. Mm. Um, how have you been through that? Because I know when I've spoken to church leaders, I'm finding this story re- repeating itself. Is there a lot of very tired leaders out there, exhausted leaders who've led uh, their churches, led their organizations, yeah. and through many changing guidelines, different scenarios, depending on where they live. Mm. And they've kind of got to the, the this new year and gone, I'm just exhausted. I know mm. ministers, and you probably do as well, who have decided to change their role or moved on to a different, even different career. Mm. Um, mm. And, and I, I guess I'm just asking the question, really, how, how, how are you doing? How have you managed this last season? Mm. I don't know. It, I find it very difficult because... I would say it's all, there's two realities and one does overshadow the other at different times. So on one hand, I actually think the pandemic was an utter gift to the church. I think it brought out the the sweet spot for my community. We learned to do things that we'd never done before. We were able to pivot and became the group of people in the neighbourhood who stayed. So all the community centres in our neighbourhood shut during the pandemic because all the staff lived out of London. So they were just shut. So where you could have gone to a food bank, it wasn't open. So because all of my staff live locally, we were still running thing that we would run. In fact, we took what we would normally be running and just shifted it and changed it to make it work. We were feeding 210 children a week school breakfasts. And so we just had this wonderful moment of of like seeing 10 years of hard work, hard relationship building, becoming something that we could really run with. So I, I for, for that and, be, you know, learning to live stream and, and do services online, all of that for me has been wonderful. That's also then matched with grief. Uh, we lost so many people who either lost their faith, walked away from faith, or left London. So we 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 just had grief after grief after grief compounding. Um, we had I did more funerals last year than I'd done in twelve years of ministry in our church. Oh, Chris! Which yeah. you just think, gosh, like what is going on? So with all of that said, I am exhausted. Definitely fringes of burnout. Um, definitely feeling like there's too much to juggle, feeling like uh, you could burst into tears if anybody else tells you they're leaving London. There's all of that going on. Uh, and therefore, you're torn. I feel torn. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's one member of our church that stopped coming to church now a year ago. And we just don't know why. They're not going anywhere else. And they've just stopped and and this person was a really significant member of our church. And it's just heartbreaking. And I often, in my mind, go to this person because I'm not content. I'm not happy. But there's nothing I can do about it. It's not my choice. She definitely didn't leave because we upset her. Something else has just happened. We don't know what it is. And she just isn't talking. So you end up with this this grief mixed with the joy of what we've seen God do and that you end up feeling in all of that almost schizophrenic uh am I happy am I sad well am I well actually I'm a bit of everything right now Mm. and the truth of it is I think all of us uh, I, I I've been talking about the silent killers 
Uh, there's lots of things in our lives that are, it's like a little knife, little knife. It's not the little knives that will kill you. It's, it's all of the little knives that are going to kill you. So, you know, when somebody leaves, it's like a little knife. Uh, when you find out that somebody is sick, little knife. When you can't go visit your parents for Christmas because of COVID, it's, it's a little knife. When your holiday gets cancelled, it's, it's a little knife. When you catch COVID and you can't go and see Back to the Future at the theatre, little knife. And we've just had all of these. And it gets to the point where you are bleeding to death, but there's nothing significant, mm. but there's just mini, lots of little things. So I, I, that's what I end up feeling like. Um, you know, the follow-up question is, well, how do you cope? Isn't it? Yeah. And, and the truth of it is, you only cope because you got you got into this because of Jesus. Not mm. none of us got into this because, in fact, when I moved to East London, a really good friend that you know and both of us know that person said to me, "Moving to Tower Hamlets, Chris, will kill your Christian ministry." Mm. And I was like, I didn't know we got into this for a ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that it's, that's, that's stuck with me now for, what, 13 years or 12 and a half years that, that sat with me. So we didn't get into it for success. We didn't get into it to grow big churches. We got into it so people would encounter Jesus Christ. So in all of that, the, the, the answer is we just have to keep coming back to Jesus ourselves. You know, we are not superhuman. You as a church leader are not a super pastor. You are not invincible. Uh, you know, you are as much of a crackpot than anybody else. Cracked pot as anybody else. That was my Yorkshire, <laughs> made it sound like crack, crackpot. Anyway, um, but it's Jesus, coming to Jesus, encountering Jesus. And and last night, even last night, my um, my assistant minister was preaching on Exodus 40, where uh, he's told to build a tabernacle, and it says the glory of the Lord came and filled the tabernacle, and it was so filled with the glory of the Lord, uh, Moses couldn't go inside it. And we just said, look, Lord, that's what we want to be like. We want to be like the tabernacle, carrying the glory of the Lord into our workplace. So we were just waiting on the Holy Spirit and I'm leading this. But yeah, I was like, I, I was so being ministered to in that moment. It was just so like, yes, Lord, this is what we're all about. So um, I, I think one of the things I've learned is we are we are no different to anybody else sat in the pews. We need the spirit, uh, we need the resurrection, we need the Lord's glory as much as anybody else, if not more, uh, mm-hmm. to keep going, keep going, keep going. So it for me, it's been retreat more, pause more, pray more, you know, wait on the spirit more. And I think that's what and you and it's like manner, isn't it? Go back to the Exodus story. It's just enough today, just enough today, mm. just enough today. Yeah, uh, and that's where we we stay with Him. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you say this, Chris. And I know we could probably spend a long time. I've I've been hitting some of those similar stories and going, that's my story. I'm going, I've just got to lean into Jesus more. I, I used to think I, I needed to have all the answers for all the people who were, were following me. Like I thought it was about me. But actually more and more, I'm reliant upon him. That's what, mm. you're absolutely right. That's why we got into this this ministry in the first place was to lead people to Jesus, not to lead people to our ministry. Mm. And to break that hold, and it's it's an unhealthy uh, holding and grip it can get, especially with social media. You start to exaggerate your own importance, but yeah. to point people once again towards Jesus. And I'm glad to hear you you saying that. I think it's so important that we tell ourselves that. Mm. And that this morning we were met as a, a staff team yeah. in our church, and we were just saying those words: "Be still and know that I am God," which is the hardest thing, isn't it? I want to fix stuff for God. I want to do things. I want to be active. 
but just be still and know um, is almost ah, oh, it's almost a, we, a, we become we think we we end up thinking we're the savior <laughs> rather than being partners of yeah. the savior. Yeah, and uh, I think the the reality is that uh, we too quickly can be filled with our own self-importance when things go well. And I'm not saying the pandemic is what we as church leaders needed, but I do wonder how much the pandemic has allowed us as church leaders to become, to come back to Jesus as our own personal saviour, encounter with the Holy Spirit, uh, because we do get too confident in ourselves and what we think we're able to pull off. And I think it has allowed us, you know, God has allowed us the grace of a season to be able to say, hang on, who am I doing this for? Why am I doing this? And how do I make ministry sustainable long term? If I want to be in this for another 30 years, then how, what do I need to put in place now so I can get to that point? Yeah, this is really good stuff, Chris. I mean, this is so important. If you are listening today and you're thinking I'm called into ministry or you're in ministry, you're leading a church, you carry responsibility to a local church. This is really important to hear. Mm. And, I, and I'm absolutely 100% with you. You know, I've done this for a long time like you. And you sort of learn how to do it. And if you're not careful, mm. you become mm. dependent yeah. on yourself, on your own natural abilities. You know, you've got your, your own reservoir of things you can do. and You can make it work, but you can't do it forever. You can't rely upon yourself forever. At some point, you run out. And, uh, you know, there's this lovely quote I used the other week. You know, it's a Billy Graham quote. He says, you know, when, when you get to the end of yourself, you get to the beginning of God. Mm. And there's something delightful about when you get exhausted and empty, you have to go, well, God, it's over to you now because I've got nothing left. Yeah, and, and I think you're not alone, Chris. In well, the, the danger is um, for many of us that that point of exhaustion can become cynicism and judgmentalism towards other ministries. So I, I've seen this happen to others and I've, I've been asking myself for years, how do you make sure you don't get there? And, and, and on reflection, I think what got them there was just years of disappointments yeah. that then has brought them to a place of being cynical and judgmental of other ministries. Well, what stops you from all of that? I think it is just coming back to the feet of Jesus. It's not, it's not my ministry. And when things don't go well, it's not my fault. The Lord has as much responsibility in this as I have, you know, we, the deal was when, when I got into this, that he would do his thing and I would work with him on that. Yeah. And there'd be times when he'd tell me to do something, but he still had to show up. And therefore, when you do have failure and things fall apart, he, the Lord has to take responsibility for his ministry. Uh, and, and I think that's been a helpful revelation, um, particularly as I now, I'm 43, so I think I'm now move, starting to move into a set, you know, that second half of ministry, one where you're growing and learning, not that you ever stop growing and learning, but one then when you start giving away and liberating others and you realise actually it's not about what I make and it's not about how many people know your name, it's actually more always about him because you're now heading towards a different, you know, you're moving away from birth to death. You know, 43 is a long way off, but it's a... Um, is it Richard Raw? I've only read one Richard Raw book, but it was all about the second half of life when you start to put down ego and you start liberating others into what God has called them to. And I thought that was really helpful for me. Oh, there's some really good stuff going on in this conversation, Chris. Thank you so much. Now, 
I, well, I do want to say this because I think you, you've mentioned some real things. You've mentioned some challenging, you know, you're, you're sort of asking the honest question, you know, what do I put in place today to make sure that what I do continues for a long-term mm. um, ministry and service to others. But I know that you're incredibly creative at doing fun things. You know, you don't just sit at home all day reading books yeah. or writing books or writing sermons. You are, and I mean, I don't know what we're going to open up here, but just tell me about some of the things you do outside of church, as it were, outside of ministry and drinking coffee and writing books. What else do you do? So we're opening a can of worms right now. Uh-huh. And the, dan- the danger is not everybody will appreciate what I'm about to say. And okay. th- there is some levels of that is, that is a bit odd. Come on, for a church leader, that is a bit odd. Um, about five years ago, we've been here seven years and we're having coffee. And Becky said, you need a hobby, Chris. Since we moved to East London, we've planted a church, we've grown a church, but you've never re-picked up a hobby. And the issue for me was that where we'd been before, I had lots of great guy friends, same age. Here, it was proving difficult to get guys my age. We had guys older than me, guys younger, a lot of guys younger than me, but not many guys my age. And the ones that were, were very busy. So I didn't have many friends, Billy No Mates, makes it sound bad, not quite like that. But Becky said, you need to get somewhere where you can hang out with people, where you don't have to be church leader, you can just be you. She said, what would you like to do? I said, I've always had this dream of building a screen accurate stormtrooper costume and joining this group called the UK Garrison of Stormtroopers. And she said, well, do it. I was like, it was going to cost money to build this thing. And she said, go for it. So within two hours, I'd ordered a kit to build my own Stormtrooper costume. We're now six costumes in of differing levels. So what that now means is I go monthly to Great Ormond Street Hospital. We visit the wards. Uh, we give care packages, sometimes from Lego, hand, you know, to, to the kids on the wards, spend a bit of time with the parents, all in costume. So they think Darth Vader's come to visit them, Chewbacca's come to visit them, or a stormtrooper. There'll be about 10 of us that'll go, and we'll just walk the wards for that month. We also do charity events. and So I have been, so as a hobby, I have stood on the red carpet for The Last Jedi, which is episode eight of Star Wars, and The Rise of Skywalker, episode nine. I've stood on the red carpet, and I've also prayed with people on the red carpet for Star Wars movies, which has been so much fun, having a hobby where I can take Jesus in. And now what's really fun is these guys are coming to me saying, I'd like to get married, but I'd never go to an Anglican church. Would you marry me? So we're now starting to move into a place where five years of just being Chris is becoming a wonderful mission field. So the pandemic project was building a Darth Vader costume. So I've now got Darth Vader on top of everything else. So that that's my hobby. I go to Comic-Con. Uh, I go to charity events with my mates. Most of them are ex-military. They're definitely not Christian in any shape or form. I get to go and just be Chris. And they often, so we, when we did Spring Harvest Home a few years ago, I was speaking on it on YouTube and some of them found, or I'd linked to Facebook that sermon I was doing, they watched it. So the next event I went to after the pandemic, one of them said, Chris, I really struggled to put together Chris the priest 
and and Chris, the Star Wars fan, and and what we know of you. And it's not that I struggle to put it together because you're a different person because it's quite obvious you're not. So you're not presenting something different. But I just can't get my head around seeing you preach like that, uh, you know, in, in that way. And it was just lovely. They, you know, they, they did start to um, see me in a very different way. So I've been able to pray for a lady who had just lost her baby. I've been able to pray with somebody whose marriage was falling apart. And that's just, just been a lovely privilege. But that's my fun. My, my biggest my biggest heartbreak, before you move on, is that last year I was all set to become a stormtrooper in Star Wars. No. Uh, they'd approached a group of us saying, would you come and film for a new Star Wars TV series? It's a sign an NDA, so we wouldn't talk about it. And I blocked it out in my diary, and we were all set. We, we were going to be in this new Star Wars TV show. And then we had a phone call 10 days before filming to say, actually, because of COVID, we're going to go in a different direction. Uh, we may come back to you guys in the future, but but unfortunately, it's it's not going to happen this time. I was like, oh, you're oh, kidding me. That's an exclusive right there, Chris. Oh. There we go. Oh, maybe it'll come around again. Maybe it'll I'm, come I'm around. I'm praying. I'm praying. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about what you do for fun. We talked about um, the challenge we've been facing. We talked about building your own stormtrooper outfit. Amazing. Um, I want to spend a few moments because we 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 said we'd do this because of your role within Spring Harvest. So when you're mm. not a vicar, you're not podcasting, you're not dressing up as a stormtrooper, you're not doing 3D printing and projects. You're involved with this national event, which many people will have heard of, called Spring Harvest. It takes place every Easter for over 40 years. It's taken place. And you are the chair of the planning group that oversees mm. the theme for Spring Harvest. So tell us a bit about, um, you know, what is that to you? What is Spring Harvest to you? Why do you get involved? Why is it so important to you? Yeah, I first went to Spring Harvest when I was 16 years old. I went with a group from my home church. My parents weren't going. A couple of the youth group were going. So I was like, yeah, I was going to go. I'd not actually been a Christian very long. It was only the pre pre-summer that I'd actually said yes to to Jesus so went to Spring Harvest when the Worldwide Meshes tribe were leading worship in youth venue so I hated that I just thought it was the worst thing ever I was like this is just so cheesy and uh, didn't really think much of it I went two times didn't think much of it and then I met Becky my wife at theological college and she was just so happened to be going to Spring Harvest as stage manager so she said do you fancy coming and I'll get you a job? So I said, yeah, let's do it. So I joined a guy called Mark and his team and we built the stage blocks. And I did that for a couple of years, just building the stage blocks, putting up the signage. If something got blown over, we would put it back up. Uh, did some stewarding, putting chairs and, and, and tables and things out. So I did that a number of years and then got chatting to somebody. I didn't know who they were at the time. And they said, what do you think of Spring Harvest? And I said, well, to be, to be fair, I think there's some things I'm, I just think are pretty naff. I was horrible. It was I, when I look back, I think you were arrogant, rude, young man. But what worked out well was she turned around and said, "Well, why don't you join the youth venue? Because that's where I felt particularly this could be better." So I did end up going on youth. So I did that for a couple of years, and then I don't know what it was now. Fourteen years ago, I got asked to do some seminars on the adult uh, stuff, and then. 10 something years ago Malcolm Duncan was becoming chair of the planning group and he said we'd been working on a 
one of the Spring Harvest themes together with the writer. We were helping the writer write it, me from a youth perspective, him from a theologian perspective. And um, he said, why don't you join the planning group? Why don't you come on, on board with me? By which point I'd finished my master's in theology and I was really keen to see the Bible unpacked in a really helpful way. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll join the planning group. So 10 something years ago, I joined the planning group and every year since then, handed in my notice. If it was Malcolm, if it was Gav, whoever it was, every year I say, I think it might be my year to step down. I'm handing in my notice. And every year they said, not this year, next year, not this year, next year. So we just had this kind of tipping along where it's not this year, next year. And I kept going, well, surely that gets to a point where enough's enough. Really has to be enough now. And, um, and then Gav, bless him, you know, got the role working for the Evangelical Alliance. And there was just no way he could do the role alongside. I did not know how much you had to do as the chair at all. I was so naive to it all. Um, and Gav just said, I can't, I can't do this. I, I, I need to focus on the Evangelical Alliance, which is, you know, the, 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 the right thing, the calling for him to do that. Um, so then I was in the car park of Lidl when I get this phone call from the board saying, would you please step up to be in the chair and I was like why would you ask me to be the chair so I'm naming everybody I'm going well, what about this person what about this person what about this person and and the voice kept coming back to me no we prayed about it we think it should be you what a stupid decision <laughs> I just got the point why would you do that but the, the truth of it is we, we hit then a pandemic and I think it's taken a particular creativity to try and get us through a pandemic and now we're on the other side of the pandemic it's the first event and I think institutional knowledge has been really important this year more than ever having been to spring harvest for so many years you know what worked what's not worked and you you therefore get a sense of what could we try that we've never tried before and this is the season to try it we do not need to be the event that we were before the pandemic so you know that that's kind of how i've ended up here but it, it, there was never a plan for this role this is not the kind of thing that i feel like I'm very good at. I'm I'm creative and pastoral. I'm Bible teacher. I'm I'm not the kind of person that leads a spring harvest. That so I'm I even now I keep saying to the guys, happy to step down. I'm, yeah. ha I'm happy for somebody else to do this. Yeah. Now well I think I can say it's because I was on the team with you, Chris, I think you're brilliantly placed to do the job. You've got a great passion for spring harvest and I love your creativity you bring to the role. So I'm I'm excited to see what's going to happen this year with you being in the chair and us being in person at the event that's so happening this year. And the theme, which you are very much, you know, the, one of the dreamers behind the theme. Um, you know, the, every year Spring Harvest has a theme. It's a very, very important part of the Spring Harvest program. Mm. And we have to organize, we, I'm not part of that anymore. You have to organize that 18 months before the event. Mm. And it's always timely and prophetic. So tell us, for mm. those listening, what is the theme for this year's Spring Harvest mm. 2022? Yeah, so the theme is called Restore, Renew, Rebuild. Were, were you on the planning group, Sim, when we first started? It's quite a long time ago, and it wasn't my... I didn't pitch the prophetic vision for this. It was one where the person who pitched the prophetic vision said, but I can't write this. I just... I, this is not for me to write. So, um, yeah, the theme is called Restore, Renew, Rebuild. I've got it right in front of me here because we've got this. I love the subtitle because the subtitle is The Life of Nehemiah and the Mission of Jesus. So what we're not interested in at this year's event is to simply look at a historical event because Nehemiah 
Tell me if I start talking too much. I get way too excited about this. Nehemiah builds the wall of Jerusalem back to the blueprints that he found for the old city. Hmm. Now, many of us think in our churches, well, the church is in decline. We need to rebuild it. What are the old blueprints? We want to look backwards. But actually, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and because of the book of Revelation, we have a new blueprint. Revelation 21, 22, a city without walls. Good. Which actually yeah. is totally different to Nehemiah. Yeah. We're, we're building something that's brickless. Yeah. And we're building through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to a new place, a heavenly realm uh, where God lives with his people. Presence, presence, presence. So we are exploring Nehemiah. What do we learn from Nehemiah? What are the leadership principles from Nehemiah? But... We're not doing what Nehemiah did. So let's not think that we can preach a simple sermon that says, right, we've got to rebuild. We've got to get the bricks right for this. You know, what we are doing now is saying, right, what does Jesus, what does Jesus's mission and ministry look like for us in this new phase of life as the church? So I think it's really exciting. Really exciting. Because it just, it means the vision is Jesus and the vision is liberation from bricks and it's kingdom, and it's all people. Yeah. And I think that's, for me, that's thoroughly exciting. I, I wish people could see what I can see. You, you're, you're so animated and excited about this teaching topic. And I love that. This is why I think you're so good at this. Is that you, really, you, you really embody the theme. You don't just think it's a really interesting, head-scratching, something that mm. we can work our heads around. It's, it's more important that it's, it's whole life living. You know, it's engaging with every part of our being not just our church attendance side of things or our christian mm. faith but actually are out there in the real world our everyday living which i think yeah. is so important and spring harvest over that 40 plus years has yeah. always gathered the church to send the church it's never just gathered the church to kind of have a nice little huddle yeah. it's always been a sending event well, yeah and 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 uh, we've got a little phrase that we keep using on the planning group we want spring harvest to be a boot camp spring harvest is not an event that you come to to simply have a good time yeah. coming to spring harvest does not mean that you're coming to spring harvest uh, when you come to spring harvest you're coming to a place where we want to equip you for your mission and your ministry that god's called you to in your place and sometimes people get it in their head we're going to spring harvest and spring harvest you know is, is what it's all about and we're going no, we want you to enjoy the worship. We want you to enjoy the Bible teaching. We want you to find hope in the seminars. But the whole point is equipping the church for action. That was the vision statement of Spring Harvest in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. And it's, it's not shifted. We, you know, we try to rethink about what our vision was and we came up with ideas of encounter. And, but actually, when, we, when we, we come back to it, we're still just about equipping the church for action. Our job is to create a space where the church can learn to be the church of Jesus in their neighborhood. And Spring Harvest wins when the kingdom of God is expanded in the local church. Uh, so Spring Harvest exists for the local church. And, and I think that's why I get really excited about topics like Nehemiah uh, and, you know, and all the other ones, we've looked, big topics we've looked at, because it's actually about equipping the church for the ministry and mission of the church. So this year, Spring Harvest, we are back in person after two years of online only. Um, and that's going to be online this year again and in person. That's right. I believe it's going to be yeah. uh, two Butlin sites, Skegness and mine and online. 
Um, it's going to be great to be back together. Be great to be back in a room together. People actually can worship God together. Tell me how it's all coming together, yeah. how it's lining up. Yeah. Yeah. So Spring Harvest is in person. It will look slightly different just because venues have changed and Butlins has changed and they've moved on. So, the, you know, Spring Harvest is moving with that. And um, we're really excited that we've learned about live streaming and we've learned about the online event. So there is an online event. But the key thing to say about the online event is you are not getting Spring Harvest if you are on site. It's different. So a little example for you. Uh, most of the conference... Uh, you'll be dropping into evening meetings and Bible teaching, but it will be hosted from a sem from a um, um, oh, give me a what? What do we sleep in at Spring Harvest? A chalet. Chalet. Thank you. <laughs> it's coming from a, from a chalet that's looking <laughs> yeah. out over the sea. Yeah. And yeah. uh, so you'll. It's almost like a Good Morning Britain yeah. kind of thing or a big breakfast kind of thing, and it'll be jumping between the the meetings. And then coming back. And when you come back, the Bible teacher will then be on the sofa. So you, you're going to get a slightly different feel to it. It's almost like a, a green room feel to the whole thing. So if anybody's coming to Spring Harvest Home, don't expect to do what you've done before at Spring Harvest. You know, we are kind of dialing you in and getting some of that background chat uh, with people that are on site so we will Sheldon Bengara is leading worship for us uh, from Pakistan phenomenal worship leader he'll be then on the sofa with the guys talking about his experience of being a Christian hmm. uh, so it's going to be really it's fun it's different uh, we need it to feel like this is this is different you know rather than just um, feeling like you're sat at the back of the venue watching what's going on so it's going to be a bit more interactive so we're trying something for the first time uh, yes, we've done online events the last two years, but this will be different because it is live from a chalet. Thank you for giving me that word. Uh, and we'll be, we'll be bringing people in and there'll be testimonies shared and, and stories shared, which is really exciting. Yeah, well, I'm glad it's coming together. I'm glad, you know, I'm looking forward to being at the event myself and our family are going and I'm, I'm encouraging those listening to, you know, get involved mm. and sign up if you haven't done already. Um, now, I want to release you. We've, we've spent more time than we said we would do. Uh, you promised me 25 minutes. We've kept on going. Uh, but let's, uh, my final question, I suppose, is, you know, you have inspired, you inspired me to this conversation. Um, and we often say in this podcast, you know, when leaders get better, everyone wins. You know, mm. there's a ripple effect when we improve who we are, who we're becoming. So is there a final piece of advice you can give to those listening, Christian leaders who want to get better at serving God, wherever they might be, whatever they might be doing? I think one of the things that I that what the pandemic did for me was it made me realize that I needed to get back to the Bible. And now that's not that I wasn't reading the Bible, but I was reading the Bible and reading the Bible to preach and reading the Bible to Bible teach and reading the Bible to prepare for this. I was reading the Bible, but I wasn't reading the Bible. So I was, I was reading the words, but then preparing for other things. And I think one of the things that I have been relearning I'm doing a bit of a course at the moment. I've been relearning how to read the Bible and to really hear the words of the Bible. So, so Chris, thank you so much for mm. uh, teasing our minds. Thank you for your investment and for your time. Uh, thank you for giving me your time and come on this podcast. It's been great to talk with you. Sam, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, what a wonderful and broad conversation with Chris Rogers today. I hope you found that helpful and some insight into the way Chris leads. I love that image he gave us of we are like cracked pots, carrying the glory of God, but leaking everywhere that we go. And to remind ourselves that we are not the saviour. We are just partnering with the saviour, Jesus Christ. If you want to find out more about Chris and his podcast, you can go to wearemakingdisciples.com. Or if you want to find out more about Spring Harvest, it's springharvest.org. And all those details are on our website, which is theleadershippodcast.uk. Lots of websites to remember there. But fine, it leads me to say thank you so much for joining me today, The Leadership Podcast with Sim Dendy. We hope that this has helped serve you in your leadership because we know that when the leader gets better, everyone wins.